to the DKH2P podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and Pitt fans, ugh. I normally say, for the past three weeks I've said, I'm, we're going we're gonna to laugh through our pain or cry through our pain. We're going to work through it. There's no working through this one, man. This was embarrassing. This was the worst loss since Pitt got shellacked by Penn State back in 2018. It was the, the, the Pitt Panthers lost 45-3 to to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. This was the chance for the past three losses, which, you know, were each of those were in, within reach at different points in the second half. You know, the Boston College, NC State, both were one-pointers that came down to the last second. Uh, you know, Miami was just a game that Pitt lost control of in the second half. They were at 1.5 points behind with the ball and had a chance to move. But as um, as we've seen Pitt do, the you know in those times they Pitt, Pitt would find a way to beat itself. It would make uncharacteristic mistakes, and then those uncharacteristic mistakes become characteristic mistakes because they keep happening for Pitt. And it seemed like in this loss to Notre Dame, those characteristic mistakes became the character that Pitt it has now. It was an utter destruction of Pitt. From the out, from the from the outset, Notre Dame came out and looked strong. They were moving the ball. Ian Book leads him down the field. My biggest thing about this game, and I thought this game that this game could be a defensive like showdown between the two, because I wasn't confident with the way Ian Book was playing. They only Notre Dame only scored twelve points against Louisville. That's the same Louisville that Kenny Pickett was able to throw throw up big points on. So I was thinking, hey, if Pitt can contain Ian Book. And just contain this Notre Dame run game. This could be a low-scoring game, and then it can come down to you know the last minute as far as maybe the defense makes some turnovers. Yeah, forget all that. First drive, uh, Notre Dame just comes out, hits a 34-yard bomb uh, from uh, from Book to Ben Skoronik. 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 I think that's uh, um, I think that's how you say his name. But this guy went ballistic for two catches for two touchdowns. Uh, he's a, he was a big body and it's the same sort of thing. Big bodied wide receiver, just abusing Pitt down the field. Um, it's like, it's like nothing happened. Now Pitt did respond with a field goal, but that would be the only response that they had all game. It was seven to three, uh, going into the second quarter. You think maybe it's a game at this point. Um, and then you get, yeah. And then all, and so, and, and here's the thing about this is that when you look at that score, before I get to the next, uh, Skronik touchdown is, um, you look at how that play developed, and I wrote this in my game story with the perfect film to show this, but that was a play where it was just a deep crossing patterns. One guy was running the corner, one guy was running the post. Gronick was heading to the middle of the field. Paris Ford was sitting right there, and Paris Ford just missed times to jump. He just jumps behind him, not in front of him. He just missed. He misplayed the ball and left open a wide open touchdown, right through the heart of your defense right to your best player, and nothing was able to happen there. Ouch. Major ouch. And then, Ian Book, with he barely had the ball for three seconds. Drops back, pressure's coming to his face, he just launches it up. Skronik, who's like, what, 6'3", 200-some pounds, towers over the five foot eight Mar- Marquez Williams, and just, he just moves him out of the way. Just puts his hands on him. Just says, get out of my way. I'm catching this ball. And I'm walking down the field for 73 yards. Now, if that's not the 
essence of what has happened to Pitt over the last three weeks, I don't know what is. And to me, that's the problem. We're seeing too many times Pitt losing the same ways. And it's been the same, it's been the same issue for all this time. It'd be different if it was just little mistakes here and there on the field. It'd be different if this was just like, hey, you know what? You know, this is this, you know, they, they've tried all these different things. But Pat Narduzzi, time and time again, has talked about sticking to the guns and sticking to your philosophy and not changing up too much, and they continue to get shredded. I'm going to get to that more in the second segment. As the game goes on, more mistakes continue to happen. Notre Dame has a eight play drive. Uh, Joey Yellen throws his first pick of the season. He ended up throwing three picks in this game. And Notre Dame just walks it down into the end zone. Kyron Williams gets a two-yard touchdown. And then even as the game is, uh, they're trying to get out of the half down 21-3 and pit three and outs, um, trying to run the clock out. With 11 seconds left, they call a punt play. It's blocked and scooped for a touchdown. I mean, it was just right in your face. The most, it's just this this was this was just such a crushing play and you're just sitting there like man even if they had a semblance of hey this could be a, set up for the greatest comeback that you've seen this year nope all that went out the window with that block punt everything went wrong then in the second half Notre Dame wasn't even calling off the dogs Ian Book stayed in through another touchdown pass his third of the year he had thrown three through four games and he throws for for his third in this game to, to Michael Meyer and then Notre Dame even got tricky. They called a halfback pass that, while it didn't go for a touchdown, it did draw a pass interference in the back end of the end zone. I believe it was A.J. Woods who got called for it and, uh, in doing so, set them up for another touchdown. I mean, it was just, it was embarrassing. It was every bit of a loss, every, every phase of this game that Pitt could have, could have lost, they did. Notre Dame was able to run the ball for 115 yards. And I believe a lot of that was uh, Book himself. Um, uh, and uh, it, it was. He, he accounted for 40 of those yards. But there, but Notre Dame's two running backs, Flemister and uh, Williams, they accounted for about 80... 80 I'm, I'm trying, to do the, trying to do the math, right? Uh, 86, yes. Um, so he has... So, so, I mean, but still... That's the most, I think that's the most rushing yards Pitt has given up this season. Um, pass, Pitt only gained on the ground 44 yards, typical for them. Uh, Passing-wise, they gave up 319 passing yards, only had 118 themselves. Um, total yards, it's 434 for Notre Dame, 162 for Pitt. Uh, three interceptions for Notre Dame, none for Pitt. Um, Pitt, the one thing that Pitt had more of, Penalties, 12 penalties for 93 yards, Notre Dame 7 for 63. I mean, it was just, it was embarrassing. Everything was wrong in this game. Notre Dame possessed the ball for 41 minutes. That's two-thirds of the game. More than two-thirds of the game. They were 11 of 18 on third downs. One of one on fourth down. So really 12 of 19. Pitt was 3 of 13. Everything was wrong about this game 
the defense that was supposed to be big this year. And we saw, I mean, maybe they just had to correct some things. We, you know, you saw some plays where maybe they, they were able to fix. Nope. All of that's, all of that's gone. They got, they got crushed. They got wiped out. You could use whatever adjectives or adverbs that you want to use. And this was, this was embarrassing. And the full game, when you go back through it, and I was watching all the tape, and I'm just looking at it, I'm like, man, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. It there, There's too many answers to have. So what do you do when you have too many questions that don't have answers? Well, let's talk about that right after this. So continuing with that theme, you look at the uh, what's wrong with Pitt right now. And, again, the offense struggling, I'm not as mad at. You know, yes, it's still ridiculous that Mark Whipple has his quarterback run to the sideline to get the play. And, and to, uh, to the point that I, when, I, when, when you go back and you watch the broadcast of this game, the, 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 the broadcasters on ABC themselves were like, it doesn't make any sense. I get that you want to stop teams from stealing your signals, but who cares when your stuff isn't working in the first place? Like right before yelling through his first pick of the game, I was watching Pitt trying to go no, no huddle and hurry up offense with him in it in the second half, trying to pick up the page, trying to figure something out. Like, hey, we're only down 28 to 3. Oh, dang, only down 28 to 3. Jeez, listen to yourself, Carter. But they're only down 28 to 3. Maybe they can get a, get a, you know, catch a break, get a big play, catch them off guard. But as they're trying to do this, Yellen's running to the sideline, trying to hear what Whipple's saying, then get back to the huddle, re relay it to the entire team. And again, this is a transfer freshman quarterback in your system for its for his first year. They're making his second start for the program, and this and this is the the best defense in the ACC numbers wise. They are they were they they came into the best, and they still will be the best because they only give up a field goal in this game. But they're giving up the fewest points, and you're expecting him to run to the sideline, hear the call, relay, relay the call back in, back into the team, then 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 call the play in real in real time. The game plays too fast, and when you're having him run and think and do all this stuff, then you're speeding up the game for him. You need him. You need him to slow it down. That's one aspect of it. But again, I'm not mad at Joey Yellen. You know, he's a young he's a young player. He's figuring things out. You know the receivers continue to drop passes. I just don't. I know what to do. Shocky Jack Louis makes the greatest of the greatest catch I've seen him make on the sideline in the first drive of the game, or well, the I think it was the field goal drive. You know, one of the it was one of the early drives. He catches it down the sideline, gets two feet in, gets blasted by the safety, holds on to it, and you're like, hey, maybe something sunk in there. No, he dropped a pass. Mac dropped the pass. Mac alligator armed another pass that could have been a touchdown. Um, Jordan Addison again, the one guy that you know, looks good on offense, but, you know, when you got one guy and they know it, they're going to take him away, and that's what they did. Um, looking looking all over the place. Again, the offense, they we knew that they weren't going to be good this year. Even with Kenny Pickett in there, we knew that the offense was not supposed to be the driving force of this team. But now, it's not that the defense isn't just isn't the driving force of the team. It's that the defense is a liability. I mean, come on. This is now four straight losses for the team, and you can pin every single one of these losses on the defense. Now, granted, you could point everywhere for this past game, but this is the fourth straight game on top of the loss. This is the fourth straight game that the defense has given up 30 or more points. 
And that's even with considering the block punt. If I take away the block punt and say, hey, that's not on you defense, it's on the special team, that's still 30. That's four straight games giving up 30 points. And you didn't give it up to Clemson and Ohio State and Penn State. You gave it up to NC State, to Boston College, to Miami. Honestly, Notre Dame is in the same boat. Notre Dame wasn't an offensive juggernaut coming into this game. Miami has weapons, but they're not an offensive juggernaut either. They're more of a balanced team that's still figuring that themselves out. Three straight games. 30 or more points. Four straight games. 30 or more points. And in each of those games, each of those games, the quarterbacks that they faced had the best games of their season. Devin Leary for NC State threw three touchdowns. Uh, Phil Jerkovic or Jerkovic, the local product, he threw, I think, four touchdowns for Boston College. Derek King threw three touchdowns. And now Ian Book threw three touchdowns. No, I think Derek King threw four touchdowns. I'm sorry. And, and Ian Book threw three touchdowns. Each of those guys, that's the most touchdowns they've thrown this year, even considering this week. Ian Book had three touchdowns coming into this game. He doubled his touchdown production over four games against Pitt's defense. The vaunted defense that was supposed to carry this team. Whose safety Paris Ford is supposed to be like a second round pick at, at worst. Whose edge rushing pair of Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver were terrorizing people for the first three weeks. And were honestly the, most, the best part of the team even in the losses. The linebackers who looked very in sync early on, even in the, some of the losses, like they would, they would be able to stuff the run. All of that out the window. And again, you look at Phil, Phil Jakovic. He hasn't thrown four touchdowns in another game. Nick, uh, Devin Leary's uh, touchdowns, I think that's like half, he got half of his touchdowns in that game against Pitt with NC State. No one respects this defense anymore. And why should they? Because they know even if you try to bring pressure, that one, that, that second touchdown that I told you about, dude had the ball for three seconds and he just lobbed it up. All I got to do is say, hey, who's tall, who's big? Run a, run a go route. If I, get, if I get matched up with Marquise Williams, Marquez Williams, or A.J. Woods, I, I, I got a good shot at him bringing that down for a big play. Oh, I got a speedster? I'm going to try to line him up with Jason Pinnock. It's it's and and this isn't to come down hard on the players because I mean they are trying, but it's clear that this system that Narduzzi keeps saying, hey, this is just who we are. This is who we gotta be because we gotta stop the run. Who cares if you if you're gonna sell out to stop the run if you if they can just lob a ball up and just get it. Ian Book is not an NFL superstar in the making. He's a running quarterback that 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 comes up big for them by scrambling and working in the red zone. And he dotted your defense up. I don't understand sticking to this philosophy. These guys need help. And there was a there was a, a red zone stand that they made where they forced a field goal where you saw some help in the secondary. There was a play where Jason Pinnock had a break breakup in the end zone and he had Paris Ford behind him helping out. And he was allowed to play the ball. Now he should have picked it. He missed time to jump, but hey, but he made but he made the play there because he had some safety help. There was another play where Paris Ford came off of his man in the end zone. He almost intercepted it in the end zone. But again, these are almosts. 
they need that Pitt needs these players to rise up. Now, of course, by that time, this game was over. So I mean, it's not like that game; those those mistakes cost them the game. But it's the continued mounting of of the evidence that this te- this team, this program, doesn't have enough answers. That if you beat them at the one thing that they're good at, throw the, throw the whole game out the window. It's why when I'm talking about the Steelers on the DK Steelers podcast, on my Locked On Steelers podcast, when I write about the Steelers for Carter's Classroom, I talk about how the Steelers can beat you in so many different ways. Even in their not best years. It's like, hey, the defense, hey, the running game, or hey, the passing game, hey, this receiver, hey, that tight. You know, there's different ways to beat you. Pitt's one way to beat you is if you can't hit the deep ball, they shut down your run and they pressure your quarterback. And then their offense hopefully comes up with some big plays. That's it. There's nothing else. Pat Narduzzi has to come up with more than that. This was the game. This, first of all, before I get to this, this, this was the season that was supposed to be the flagship year for his for his career, his tenure at Pitt. This is what his sixth year. This is supposed to be the season where these are all his recruits. He's got a ton of seniors, a ton of captains that aren't even captains on the team, guys that set the tone. We we heard all that. You you saw me write about it. You heard me talk about it on the show. All the stuff about how this is supposed to be different. People are going to respond differently. People are going to do different things. And all we're seeing is more of the same and actually worse. And you know what? I think the players, they, they're they trying their best. Again, I'm not coming down on the Bryce Hargroves who spoke after the game. The Chase Pine who spoke after the game. I'm not coming down on Kenny Pickett who I do think is a tough son of a gun that I that I agree with when Narduzzi said after the, the, um, the loss to... Uh, to my or to Boston College, he would go to war with him. I'm like, yeah, I I think if I'm in college, I'm going to war with Kenny Pickett too, because that dude that dude fights. And there's a lot of guys on this team that fight like that and that take their job seriously. But come on, this is again this is supposed to be the year that Narduzzi proved that his system worked, and right now it's falling apart at the seams. And this game. This was the first game Pitt had had fans in attendance. This is the first game that wasn't on the ACC network. It was on ABC, national. Everybody sees this game. And so the first time that people can go to see your game or people that, you know, maybe a local high schooler gets to watch it on TV and they see you get destroyed like this, go out without even giving a fight, how's that going to help with recruits? How's that going to help you build the program? How's that going to change the narrative of who you are? Everyone's always said, Pitt, you know, Pitt doesn't got it. They'll never be serious again. They'll never be a real threat in the ACC. And all this did was was further confirm that. And it's not like this was a one-timer. The problems that we saw in this game, the deep passes, the inconsistency on offense, the inability to run the ball, the offensive line struggles, wide receivers dropping passes, the defense, again, giving up big plays, miscommunicating, not making plays. All those things we've said for weeks now, for a month now of losses. And it's not changing. If certain things were changing and it was just that Kenny Pickett was hurt, okay, different story. But that's not what's going on here. The problems that we saw back when they first, even when they were winning, we were saying, you know what, that big pass to Taj Harris that that, that, that Syracuse got on him, that, that's a little troublesome. Or Malik Cunningham, those, some of those touchdown passes, you know, but, hey, but they, they put out these wins. Those same problems have now went from snowballs to avalanches. 
and it's unacceptable if this program really wants to be relevant, be respectable, and get to the point where fans can be proud of it, even in, in the losses. <sighs> like I said, this wasn't one to laugh about. Normally I laugh through the pain because just the irony of things. There's no more irony. I mean, there's a ton of irony actually in this. But this was one that this had this loss has to be taken seriously. This isn't the same rhetoric, oh, watch the tape. Something needs to be done. Big change. Attitude change. They got they get a bye week before they play Florida State. But something needs to change. And I'm not sure what that something is that isn't putting people's jobs on the line. Ah, jeez. That's your that's your DKH2P podcast. I'm Chris Carter here. Sorry, Pitt fans. It's been a rough one ever since we started this show. They've lost every single game. Maybe that's my fault. Ah, maybe I do better here on the show. But I hope that I'm helping you get through it, and I hope that I'm voicing the opinions that you have about the program and uh, giving you some helping further your thoughts about things. What do you What do you think? You know, what do you think needs to change? I know everyone wants to fire Narduzzi, but there's a lot of different things that need to happen. Vent your frustrations to me. Hit me up. I'm at Carter Critiques on Twitter. Don't be afraid to talk to me. Uh, thanks to all those Pitt fans, the Jay Robertses, the Carmens, the, the all the people that are that are in that live file uh, that we do every for every game on DKPittsburghSports.com. You guys are troopers. That was a rough one to stick through. I understand anybody who walked away from that game after the after the the, the middle of the second quarter. But a lot of you stayed stuck with me throughout the whole game, and I appreciate you for you for doing that. Stick with me as I continue to cover this team throughout the season. Maybe we get some surprises down the line. Maybe we don't, but either way, I'll be here for you guys. Thanks again for listening to the DKH2P podcast. Uh, be sure to, st- to stay tuned to the DK Podcast Network. We have a lot more coming up with uh, DK Steelers podcast, DK's Daily Shot, and all the other shows on our network. Check out uh, Nowhere's Down Memory Lane. He has a, a new interview with a former Pittsburgh athlete. You can check all that out right here on the network. Please uh, subscribe to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Leave a five-star review with a positive comment. Doing so really helps out the show. Thanks, everyone. Be back in your ears very soon.